This morning, Impact Beyond These Walls, I want to start with uh, this statement. Now, I don't think this is a controversial statement. I think this is a really basic statement, really. Um, And so I'm not expecting any pushback on this. But I do want to ask if you agree with this. And if you you don't, then I'm going to have to spend 40 minutes explaining it to you. (laughs) Then preach. So um, I hope you do agree. Um, Really do. Um, This is the statement. The people of God have always existed to serve others. People of God have always existed to serve others. Agree? Okay. All you people put your hand up. You can go. There's a a beautiful presentation and lunch prepared out the back. If you didn't put your hand up, you'll get the 40-minute explanation, okay? Um, Who who agrees? (laughs) Um, The people of God have always existed. I mean, from the very beginning, even when God initiated a people for himself, he picked one man out of all of of those who existed in his time, Abram, and said, I'm going to choose you, and from you I will make a people for myself, and I'm going to make you these promises. And these were from the very beginning, this very first covenant that was entered into with Abram, that I'm going to make you a people, so you'll be as vast as the, the sand on the shores, vast as the stars in the sky. Um, you'll become a, a people. Um, Remember, this is an old guy with no kids. Um, yeah, sure, right. Uh, I'm going to give you a land of your very own. And the Old Testament is the story of how God gives the promised land to his people. But there's a third promise, that you will bless the nations, that I will bless you so you can bless the nations. The people of God have always, they were always intended to serve others, to bless others. That's what we do. And so it should come as no surprise to us when we come to, to Jesus' ministry and life, and at the very end of his ministry, after he has served and, and ministered for three years, he comes uh, just before he's about to, to ascend back to the Father in Acts 1.8, and he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will go, you will bless, you will share everywhere with everyone. That should be no surprise to us. And so it makes it really clear to us, um, th- this statement, and, and this is part of a series we're doing on the heart of the church, what's essential to us and core. Uh, we've already looked at that uh, it is essential that we're equipped with the word of God that as Christians we're called to deep and authentic relationship with one another, uh, that's transforming. And this week we're looking at impact beyond these walls, Uh, that we would be a people who impact the world beyond these walls, that these walls, that the ministry wouldn't be here for us, but it would be for for out. Uh, That is, I think, not controversial. But... um, If you're not convinced, let's look to God. Because God certainly thinks that that walls shouldn't stop you uh, from impacting the world. Uh, In fact, let me turn to uh, the New Testament in the Gospels. Uh, But we need to go back even further than that. We need to go back and look at the the temple. So when we look at the temple of God, this was a building that was um, designed by God himself. This is a building that was measured out, marked out, um, drawn to scale and given, well, they give drawing, but he gave a very apt description to the Israelites to say, this is how you're to build it, okay? And if you take a look at it, there were, now they had a numerous attempts to build this thing. I mean, Solomon built the first temple and then it was destroyed and then they came along and built uh, Nehemiah um, and Ezra. They were part of the, 
the exile returning after the temple was destroyed to, to have another go at it. And, uh, and we know that in uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, that uh, their accounts of it, when, when people saw who, who knew the first temple, looked at the second one, they wept because it wasn't quite as good as the one Solomon built. But there's numerous attempts. But, but each time they've, they've made it, it has been the same design, which is a number of concentric rectangles that, that shrink. And so these are these walls that mark out the area. So the outer wall obviously says, hey, you've arrived at the temple. This is the temple. You walk in through the first gate, and then there's another wall uh, with a big sign that says Jews only. So the first court, the first space you're allowed to enter was for Gentiles. Now, Gentile basically means not a Jew. Um, so if you weren't a Jew, if you, you can trace your heritage back to Abraham, a part of the 12 tribes of Israel, then this was the space you're allowed. And that's really nice of the Jews. They said, hey, you can come in and look at our special building. It's really nice and flashy. Um, and you can even make offerings. Um, we've even got tax exchange, money exchanges here, lenders, who will sell you some, some temple coinage um, so you can buy your sacrifices because that's the only currency we accept here. Um, that's why Jesus overthrows the money tables because they would rip the foreigners off. Um, and so the Gentiles were allowed there. Now that next wall, if you're able to get past there, then there was another wall. That wall had a big sign up saying, no women allowed. So this was the women's court. So the Jewish women were allowed in this section of the temple. Now if you're lucky enough to be a Jewish man, you could then enter the next so, uh, section. Uh, but even then, there was another wall, another section cordoned off, uh, which only the priests were allowed in. And so there was a section only the, the Jewish priests were allowed. And then right at the very centre, the very heart of the temple itself, was the Holy of Holies. This was the place where God himself resided, where the seat, that the covenant of the ark resided, where the seat of God was. This was his footstool. And this is where, where God was supposedly meant to, to dwell. Um, and only one person, one priest, normally a high priest, each year was allowed to go in and make sacrifices, would spill blood on that, the ark, uh, and would offer uh, prayers to, to forgiveness for, for Israel. Walls, keeping people out, and that's essentially what a wall does. It keeps people in or out, separates people. And so there were these concentric walls. Now, in the New Testament, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, we read the story of how uh, Jesus came in the flesh. Uh, they didn't realise at the time, but, but somehow we'd escaped from the Holy of Holies. Um, Jesus had uh, been walking amongst them all this time. They had no idea he was God. Um, but then right at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he's there on the cross and, and he declares out loud, it's finished, it's over, finally it's done, um, we read this story and account in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 50 to 53. It says this, Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Now, if that's not going beyond the wall and having impact, I don't know what is. Here's this wall, this curtain, dividing God and humanity, the rest of the world. And God goes, enough. He rips the wall apart, says no more barriers, comes out and has impact. I mean, the dead are raised to life. 
the rocks, don't just shake them up, the rocks themselves split. Uh, this is something incredible happening here. Earthquake, blackness, dark lightning. People going, ah, oh, um, impact. Like God says, yeah, I'm all for impact beyond these walls. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's go. Uh, let's not be held back any longer. And so these walls should not contain us. As the church of God, when we talk about impact beyond these walls, we should be comfortable, very comfortable with going out beyond these walls, knowing that we are ones who carry the good news of the gospel, that we bring the love of God, that we are to bless others and introduce them to the life-giving God. That's the impact we should have. Now, if I was going to keep preaching on that for the next 10 minutes, you'd probably get bored because you've heard that plenty, plenty of times. Because I'm not here to talk about these walls. Because to be quite honest, you go beyond these walls every week. It's not hard. In two hours' time... You won't be here. You would have walked out the doors and gone home. Some of us, I'll still be here cleaning up. Um, Actually, no, that's a lie. I rarely clean um, because we have so many wonderful people here who grab the vacuum and do their bit. That's fantastic. Um, But going beyond these walls isn't a problem. Uh, It's not a problem. So I want to talk about some different walls. What are the walls we need to go beyond? What are the barriers that exist between us and those who we need to go to? to the people who are are at the furthest ends of the world or those who are just next door to us? What are those walls that need to be broken down that we need to push through? Help us understand this. I want to turn to to Acts chapter 10. And in the book of Acts, we read the story of the early church and uh, in it we we read a lot about Peter. Uh, And so in Acts 10 and 11, we read the story of Peter who uh, is, is just... Sitting on the roof, I don't know, I imagine him sunbaking, scratching his gut, going, gee, I'm a bit hungry, uh, and all of a sudden he falls into a trance. Let's read the story. Acts chapter 10, 9 to 16. The next day as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town. Now, Cornelius was a Gentile man. He had a vision himself that said, I want you to go and get Peter, this guy. So he sends some men to go get him. As they were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. Obviously, they had no idea what a picnic rug was, or they would call it a picnic rug. This large picnic rug comes down, held by four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the picnic rug was suddenly pulled up to heaven. That's the vision, okay? Peter is a good Jew. He's a good Jewish boy. He knows the law. He knows that that God gave his people the law so that it would set them apart, that they would be unlike the other nations around them, that they would know who the God they worship is, that they would know how to worship him, that they would know how to behave, they would know the difference between right and wrong and what is holy and righteous, and they would know that they are different to everybody else. One of the ways that was reinforced with them was through the food laws, that you won't eat like the others. You won't eat like the nations around you. This is how you'll be separate. This is how you will separate yourself as part of the people of God. Now, of course, 
All those were done away with with the Old Testament. Jesus comes and says, you don't have to worry about those. And this vision is probably a big part of why we go, yeah, we don't need to do it anymore. Because here God says, here you go. And he presents to him this feast of animals that were obviously unclean because of Peter's response. He looks at them and goes, oh no, God, I would never eat that. I know that that, that is unholy, that, that you've forbidden us to eating that. So, no, no. God has to do it three times. We get the impression that, that he says no every time. <laughs> and probably goes, aren't I a good boy? As he wakes from his trance thinking, I, I resisted temptation. Um, that mud crab looked awfully nice. <laughs> Um, so he, he avoids it. But then the men arrive, and uh, Cornelius' men, and they take him, and they go to visit Cornelius. And then in Acts 10.28, a little bit further down, uh, we read Peter saying this. Peter told them, You know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this, or to associate with you. So here he's referring to the law again. Oh, no, 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 it, it, it is against the law for me to, to associate with a Gentile. To come in and eat with you and to, to even enter your home is, is forbidden. Like, I, I can't do this. So Peter tells him this, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. God's shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Where has God shown him that? Well, he's shown him it in the, the animals, hasn't he? I'm not telling you to get up and eat unclean animals. I'm telling you, if I've declared something to be clean, it's clean. And I'm telling you now, Peter, I've sent Gentiles to you. They've had a vision. Go meet with them that Gentiles are not unclean. Now, you've got to put yourself in Peter's shoes. He was raised a Jew. Generations of generations of people who were Jews. Uh, and, and he was grown, brought up with this mindset, with this worldview that had a racial prejudice towards anyone who wasn't Jew. It was so great that, that they didn't even care. The Jews didn't even care what you were or who you were or where you were from. But they, they, they didn't care. They didn't differentiate. They just had a term. You Gentiles. It was just you other. You, you, you person who was not one of us basically. This is how strong the divide in their mind was. There was us and there was the rest of the world. I don't care whether you're from Asia or Europe or, or wherever you're from. I don't care. You're just one of them. Uh, there was this strong racism uh, in their thing. Now, the law made it really clear that you're to treat foreigners well. You're to offer them hospitality. It's not that you're meant to be hostile towards them or go to war with them or attack them or anything like that. But there was definitely this divide that there is us and them and never the two shall meet. A wall was there. And yet God shows him that no matter how strong that wall is, no matter how strong that divide, that the power of the gospel can overcome that. It can, it can get rid of those biases, those walls we put up that keep us apart, that it can overcome that. And to, to put yourself in Peter's shoes, for the, because what we're seeing here in Peter's life is a transformative moment. Like It's, it's almost miraculous. Um, I mean, if, I, if we had lunch today um, and I said we're serving dog today on the menu, on the spit, just for effect, you know, so you can see Lassie, um, you know, or my dog Rafa roasting because Rafa's been a bit naughty, he's chewed up on my irrigation pipe in my backyard, so guess what, we're eating dog. Now, 
there's probably people here who have eaten dog and that, that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with eating dog. But it, for those who've never eaten it, there is a reaction, isn't there? It's like, a, ooh, no, no, no. And, and that's what Peter's reaction would have been when, when he lowered the food and said, I want you to eat these foods you've never eaten. In fact, these foods that you've thought are like poisonous and, and yucky. Like, there's something in us we go, oh, yuck. Like, no, there's a very physical response and reaction to it. You literally go, yuck, uh, I'm not going to do that. And so when, when Peter's brought before the Gentile house, that's the same reaction he has. It's like, oh, yuck. And I dare say we have that same reaction at times with things. We go, oh, never, I, I will never do that. Um, that we've put up these barriers that, that stop us. The Old Testament, I think, makes it really clear that there's, it names three of these barriers that, that stand between people. So in Galatians 3, 26, 28, we read this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Now as a result of that, there is no longer, and now he lists three of those major walls that exist between people. Now there is no longer Jew or Gentile. Now there is no longer slave or free. Now there is no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. These were the three major divisions in his day. Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male and female. You basically got racism, classism and sexism. All there. These are the big isms um, of their day. This is the way people would think and divide themselves. Now, we're much more sophisticated than they are, aren't we? We go, oh no, they're they're horrible things. You should never do those things. Um, Now, it might take me an hour to convince you uh, but I dare say that there's a little bit of racism, a little bit of sexism, a little bit of classism in, in each of us. Yes, agree? Yeah, you might think it's not there, but you know, um, I think if push comes to shove, if I looked at who you hang out with, who your friends are, who you're comfortable with, who you're uncomfortable with, I reckon it might fit in some of these categories. <laughs> They're a little too different because we tend to like hanging around people like us. And people like us tend to be the same colour or the same gender or the same culture, um, the same socioeconomic band, we enjoy the same hobbies. Um, Very few of us will have friends who are very, very, very different from us, very different. And so there is these divides there. But we come from a civilised culture where these things are frowned upon. They're certainly not endorsed. And so I don't want to... Although they, they exist in there, and I'm not belittling these things at all. These, these are a very real struggles still in our day. But for Christians, we would look at that and go, yeah, there is no difference. Jew and Gentile, slave, free, male, female. Yeah, we're all one in Christ. There's equality for all. Yeah, we're, we're kind of... In our minds, we're all right with that. So I don't want to spend too much time focusing on those three walls that exist. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 14, 15... Uh, It tells us this, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Don't you love that? He broke down the wall. He broke it down. Uh, And he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So basically says... I know the law tasks you to think about Jew and Gentile, but I've done away with that now, and now I'm saying all are one. They've always been valuable, they've always been, but I had a purpose for you. 
But now that has changed. There's a new covenant and you're all one. So he does away with the old law, old thinking, and then makes the money. He says, if I accept Jew and Gentile and they're all my children, then you need to act like family. So he, he does away with it. So the power of the gospel, the God's plan is to bring together. We live in a world that wants to divide and separate. I mean, how many countries are out there building walls at the moment? China, America. Yeah. India. Pakistan, there's, there's lots of countries actually, it's, 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 you can Google it, um, it's quite this fad at the moment, there's lots of countries building walls to keep migrants out or to stop people leaving, um, both ways. Um, we live in a world that builds walls but we worship a God who wants to break them down and bring us together. So I want to look at some walls that maybe we can relate a little bit more to and we ask this question, what's preventing us from going out and having impact in the world what are those walls keeping us from that? Now I'm, I'm going to look. This is the James Ramsey attempt at, at, at doing a holistic, systematic approach to walls, inner walls. Um, protection, fear, and security. Okay? Uh, let me tell you my rationale for this. Protection. We've lived life, we have experiences, we've done things, and as a result of doing those things, we say to ourselves, I'll never do that again. I never want to go through that, I'll never experience that again. And so we put in place boundaries, walls. We put in place limitations and we go, never again. And so based on our experience. Then you've got things, there's things we, we've never experienced, we've never done it. But you know what, just the thought of it. You know, I've never put a spider on my face, but I'm never going to. That's, no, <laughs> there's a wall, there's a boundary, I'm not crossing it, okay? Um, and so fear will help us to create walls as well in our life, where we go, no, I've never done it, but I don't want to. I'm just afraid of it. But then there's this third category. It's not that I've ever done it. I've never had a bad experience in it. It's not that I'm particularly afraid of it. But, you know what? If I do it, it's just going to be a little too inconvenient. It's going to mess my life up a little too much. So, you know what? No. So let's go through these three. Protection. There are times in life where, where you experience something that is traumatic or bad. Um, you engage in a relationship. You um, try something new and it doesn't go well. And, and there are times when that is completely appropriate to go, never again. Okay? Um, never again will I, you know, open the door. This is a lesson I learned when I was seven. Um, Never again will I open the door to the car as we're going around a corner and I don't have my seatbelt on. Um, that's this car <laughs> right here. Okay, That reminds me, never do that, I'm not going to do that. So there's times where it's good to go, no protective boundaries, don't open car doors when it's moving. Um, that's a good lesson to learn. But, but when we try things, and I'll give you an example. You know, I went to the pastor one day um, with my thought, but, but he just fobbed me off. Uh, and so that's it. Never again. Never go near that pastor again. There's a wall. Is that an appropriate wall? Or is that the kind of wall God wants to, to bring down? Uh, any wall that exists that, that keeps me from connecting, keeps me from, from relationship, keeps me from, from doing the work of God is, is a wall God wants to bring down. How many times have you been offended by somebody and you've gone, never again, not going there? And yet the Bible instructs us to forgive how many times? 77, you know, to, to keep on, keep on, keep on forgiving. 
Um, and so there are times in our life where we do. We put up these walls, we go, never again, and yet they are limiting us in doing the work of God. They limit us. And so we need to, to be aware of that. Uh, fear. When I announced at the start of, of the sermon, anyone interested in lay preaching? I guarantee 90% of you just went, <laughs> no way, not me, don't look at me. James, please, 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 no. Uh, because a lot of you just went, I've never done it before. I've, I've, I'm not interested, and no way am I interested in doing it. That's terrifying. And, and so we go, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, that might be an extreme example. But what happens when we put the call out and say, hey, guys, um, we're starting up the coach mentoring program. Or here's our care team in our care ministry. We've got 10 ways you can literally help care for the community here. You can provide lifts to people. You can pray for people. You can drop off meals. You can cook meals. You can visit in hospital. You can come and uh, write cards. You can. There's all these different ways, and and you just go, no, 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 no. I don't want to, because I might stuff up. I might say the wrong thing. I might um, expose myself. I might. Um, no, no. I, I just can't do that. You know, the things might go wrong. Fear, fear, fear. Anxious, 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 worry, worry, worry. Um, these are walls. We go, no, nah, that's it. So I put up the wall. I'm not going to cross that. It happens all the time. I have people telling me all the time, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. And yet I'm, I'm promoting something that God's calling us all to. And, and it's my belief. If God calls all of us to something, he believes we're all capable of it. To different degrees and different levels and to a different scale perhaps. But when God says, I want you to share your faith with others, to go make disciples, that that's something we can all do. We might do it differently, but we can all do it. And so uh, fear, I think, many times holds us back from, from doing the things God calls us to. But then there's security. Uh, and it might be the preaching thing. Again, I'll use that as an example. Um, you might have preached before. It might not be that you've, you've never done it. Um, it might not be that, that you're afraid of it. You might go, well, actually, I've done it before or, um, or I haven't done it before. Um, but fear-wise, um, yeah, I, I speak publicly all the time at work. I, I give presentations. I can put information together well. I can communicate it clearly. I think people look to me and recognise some kind of gift of wisdom and discernment and, and teaching gift in, in Bible studies I've helped lead. Um, yeah, I could do it. Yeah, I could give it a go. Um, but then security, that security question. It's like, now, okay, I could do it, I'm not afraid of it. Yeah, maybe. But what's it going to cost me? How much time is it going to rob from me? How much am I going to have to invest? Um, am I going to lose my weekends? Am I going to lose that time? Um, yeah, will people start treating me differently? Is the cost of this too great? Yeah. You know what? I'm just happy where I am. No thanks. I'm just happy. And we stay in our comfort zone. Uh, here's a, a great little quote that I think helps shape what I want to say about security. The more secure we are, the less tolerant we become of insecurity. Does that make sense? The more secure we are, the less tolerant we become of insecurity. Now, can I tell you, we are the most secure people who have ever lived in all of history. You might disagree, you might go, oh no, my problems are... But, but, you know, would you rather live now or 300 years ago? Or 1,000 years ago? 
I'd rather live now. <laughs> we live like kings uh, nowadays. We eat exotic food um, and whatever we want. Now, it's not to say that um, there are some in this country that, that do worry about what they eat and they do worry about uh, their, their living arrangements. And um, There are people who worry about these things. But by and large, if you live in Canberra, you work, you're amongst some of the best paid, not just in Australia, but in the world. We are secure. And we're so secure, we ensure our security, don't we? Who has insurance? You know, it's... <laughs> I've got house insurance, life insurance, car insurance, pet insurance. Um, I don't want to be who. Where is it? I wish Tim Naylor was. Uh, not Tim Naylor. Um, Tim Larson. Um, he'll tell you the story of how his uh, Labrador cost him $10,000 in vet bills. Um, no, no, I can't take that kind of hit because then it would make me financially insecure. So I'm going to insure myself. $80 a year, so I don't end up like him. Um, we ensure our security. I mean, we pursue it. We like to be secure. Who doesn't like to be secure? You, you are foolish if you put your hand up. We all like to be secure. We like to be stable. There's something good about that. And in fact, God says, you know, here you go. I am your firm foundation. There's something good about that. But there is also something psychologically healthy about stepping out of our comfort zones regularly. That if all you ever do is sit in your safe place and nothing ever rocks your world, you know, you, you never build resilience, you've never had to persevere, you've never had to, to test yourself. This is where James will speak in his letter um, about the building of character. That it is good for us to stretch ourselves. This is why God calls us to steps of faith where we have to trust and go outside our comfort zone because we're to grow as a people. It's not good for us just to sit there in our safe little places, never taking risks or never stepping out. That's not how we grow. And so security, the more secure we are, the less tolerant we become of insecurity. I can guarantee you, all of us here hate giving up our security. Hate giving up our time, our finances, our resources, our energy, because you know what? I'm all right just like this. And that is a wall. It's a wall. Just like Peter had to overcome this, this racism, this prejudice in him towards Gentiles. We've got these big walls that when, when we say, let's go impact beyond these walls, that's right there. Stopping me signing up, stopping me talking to my neighbour, stopping me praying for a colleague, stopping me from going and blessing and loving and sharing. Well, at least that's my crack at some of the things. We could add to that list. You could talk in all sorts of numerous ways. Uh, but I'm sure from what's been said, you can recognise there are significant walls and barriers that keep us from others, that keep us from the will of God, that keep us from having impact in this world. Let me pray. Father God, we, uh, as your servants, we want to come and take a, a moment to, to bring what we have, have heard, to bring uh, what your word reveals in the life of Peter, in the life of, of Jesus, even in even all that you did in the temple. We want to be people who are faithful and obedient, 
who are loving, who bring good news, who are messengers of good news, who, who come and, and bring life into the life of people. Uh, and we want to be able to, to go trusting you, taking those steps of faith and reaching out to the ends of the earth and, and to our neighbour next door. But we know there are things in us that keep us from that. There are barriers, there are walls that need to be broken down. And we want to bring those things to you and pray that risky prayer, Father, that that you would change us and transform us, that you would uh, shake us out of our comfort zone, that you would uh, lead us into faithfulness, lead us into obedience. And we pray that because we trust you and we love you. And we know that you're a good father. And your plans are better than our plans. And so, Father, as we together want to have impact in our community and in this world, that we want to be a blessing and bring life, work in us in the things that that we've resonated with today, the things we've connected with, whether it's security, protection, fear, racism, sexism, classism, whatever that divide is. We bring it to you and we repent of it. We turn from it, take it from us, put it to death on your cross and breathe new life into us, we pray. Amém.